Forex Traders Podcast. I'm your host, Njabulun Tibandi. This podcast is aimed at helping you and experienced traders navigate the markets and learn from other traders. I'm chilling with Vongani Nkuna. How are you doing, man? I'm well and you, and how are you? Hi, I'm very, very well, man. I'm very, very well. Thank you for your time. Um, really appreciate that. Um, so let's get started, man. Um, why don't you take us through a bit about yourself and what um, got you interested into the financial markets? Um, so historically, um, I, I suspect I shouldn't have been in the financial markets, but I, I always had an interest in the financial markets. Um, by education, I studied copywriting uh, in, in, in advertising and I was at Red and Yellow in Cape Town. Um, and obviously, there it's 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 um, copywriting, um, advertising, and there's there's a little bit of of marketing involved. Um, but I have a copywriting diploma. When I was there, um, I still had a very strong interest in uh, the financial markets and wanting to understand how finances work, the financial markets work, um, investing works, and that sort. Um, so I did a lot of I did a lot of, a lot of reading personal reading. Um, I, I, I got myself a little bit self-taught, but I wasn't trading in those days. After copywriting, um, I graduating, I joined my father because fortunately he had a petroleum business or has a petroleum business. So I joined him and being in the petroleum space, I learned a lot about commodities, especially um, oil. And um, I wanted to learn and understand how things were, were working in the, in, the, in the oil value chains. So I delved deeper into that um, and, and started to gain a lot of interest in commodities, in, in oil in, in particular. So my initiation, if I can put it that way, was, was in commodities. Um, I didn't want to, I was a bit shy of shares, um, because I didn't know too much. I didn't understand too much, although I was interested, interested in Forex as well. Um, I was still a little bit shy, but then, um, I then decided, okay, fine, let me join another com company, which was a larger, um, commodities trader. And I also started to learn more about the value chains and commodities. So I could say that's how I sort of got inducted, um, into, into speculative trading. And there were a lot of mistakes that I made along the way um, in learning in uh, some of these demo accounts. Um, but then nonetheless, uh, I, I sort of journeyed on and ventured on. And at some point, um, I even lost about two accounts. Uh, let me call it wiping out because I lost about more than 80%. Both accounts were about 100,000 when they started off. Um, so it was a bit tough for me. Um, and then obviously fast forward to today where there's a lot of confidence now. There's a lot of understanding, knowledge. Um, I've read a lot of books. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite books, I think that helped me a lot, even though it, it goes against speculative trading, was um, The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Mm -hmm. So in recent times, I felt, okay, fine. If I start to work with some of the principles or value principles, customize them from the intelligent investor, transfer them into speculative trading. Maybe there could be something there. Um, at some point, the, I did feel that, hey, you know, this speculative thing is really not for me. It's, it's not working out. And I almost gave up. But the funny thing is that there's always this thing inside you. Um, even if you give up, even if you take a sabbatical for three years or four years or five years or whatever the case is, yeah, yeah. There's this thing inside you that says, you know what, just go back and see if it can really work. Um, and obviously, by the time you go back, you go back a little bit wiser. Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, man, yeah. Um, that's that's, that, that's uh, quite an interesting story. Um, and and you, you mentioned that you started trading commodities. Did you start trading everything um, in terms of commodities like gold, silver, a brand? Um, uh, etc. Or did you trade oil because that's what you were familiar with? I I had an interest in everything, um, but I had a stronger interest uh, in in oil, uh, as you mentioned, is because I was familiar with it. 
So there was that familiarity. Um, there was that little bit of understanding in terms of the physical markets for oil. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I sat down and I said, okay, fine, look, there are hard commodities and you've got your golds there, you've got your silvers. There, there's something there. Um, there's your platinums and palladiums. Uh, and then I also looked at some of the softs, you know, um, and, and in those days on some of the platforms that I had, you know, there was, there was some, some interesting commodities going on there, you know, like orange juice, you know, yeah. um, and I, and I looked at that. I was like, okay, fine. This, this is quite interesting. Let me have a look. But because um, I didn't have a strong background in those things, even though my, I was interested in everything, I didn't have a strong background. I ultimately said, okay, fine. Let me just sort of tone it down and focus on a few Gold, for some odd reason, I mean, I've never been in, in gold mining or, or in the mining industry, but for some odd reason, perhaps it's because I'm in South Africa and I grew up in South Africa, for some odd reason, I always had this sort of interest in gold. Um, so, so that somehow came naturally, you know, to want to trade gold, um, as opposed to wanting to trade platinum, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and platinum... I did trade. I, I have put in some positions in platinum, but I can feel that it's it's not really something I'm I'm truly interested in versus uh, the interest I have in gold. Okay, got you, got you. And and when when in the in the early days when you started um, trading, when you uh, uh, you know as, as as you pointed out that you've burned through um, two accounts about eighty k each that you've been through, were you were you trading geared or ungeared? geared oh it was yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it it was it was uh, uh all geared um and some of the positions that i took you know in those days uh they were way too large um knowing knowing the way i trade today um i now know that uh, what i was doing back then was way too risky you know i was taking some very large positions i was uh, working short term um and there was a lot of impatience. I wanted mm-hmm. to move very quickly. I wanted a situation. I remember this one day or this one time I put in a position and I think it was a position on oil, uh, Brent crude. And uh, what happened is the account was at about a uh, hundred and something. I, I had just started that account. It was still at about a hundred and let's say 101,000, for example. And it grew maybe in the first 15 minutes of um, the American markets opening, that account went up, shot up to 7,000. And I was still young. Mm -hmm. So seeing that 7,000 in, let's argue, 15 minutes or 20 minutes, uh, um, seeing that 7,000 is now 107,000. And I'm like, woohoo, this is is something, you know, this is phenomenal. Um, and you know, it went up, but it's because I was taking a large position. That's, that's why it moved so quickly to 7,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Let me see if I can take it to 8,000. It never went to 8,000. Um, <laughs> it's, it ended with my floating profit at 7,000 and then it started to tank and it just tanked on that day and it tanked and it tanked and I was very confused, but I'm now looking at this money that's now dropping. So it, it's, it went up to 7,000 and it drops down to 90,000, you know? So I was like, okay, there's a problem here. And I, I suspect, I can't remember what happened exactly, but I suspect I closed the position in a negative and I had lost a lot of money in a very short space of time. Yeah. So it was all geared. Um, positions were very large. Um, and there was a lot of wanting to move very quickly um, to the next let me call it, uh, let me call it um, milestone. Yeah, yeah. So um, with, with knowing everything that you know now, uh, um, what are the, some, of, some of the mistakes that um, you, had, you, you had over time rectified and realized that, you know, someone, you know, maybe listening to this thinking, you know, let me try this trading thing. Um, let me try commodities. What are some of the mistakes that led to you you know, paying 160K school fees, as it were? Um, I can tell you one major, major, major problem that I felt was an issue for me 
um, trading trading instruments with expiries. So I started to realize much later after having read um, The Intelligent Investor and after having um, opened a proper investment account where, where I'm now buying shares on a sort of a value basis mm-hmm. and holding them as assets instead of as speculative instruments. Mm-hmm. So, so after having done that, I realized that you, this thing of trading um, expiry or uh, instruments with expiries is a bit of a problem because you're forced to take losses, even profits, when you don't want to. Simply because this thing is expiring. Um, some of these contracts are expiring. And I, I personally didn't like some of the rollovers um, that were happening because sometimes with rollovers, the, the position has to be closed and then it's opened again. So it, it, you have to take that knock and then uh, you open it again with a lower balance. And you have to now cross the so, spread again. Exactly. So I had, I had issues with that and I realized that for me, that doesn't work. So let me, let me rather trade um, what we call spot, spot mm-hmm. prices, or at least even if it's not spot prices, it needs to be an instrument that has a, has a far dated expiry or no expiry at all, even if they oh. don't call it a spot, but it doesn't carry an expiry. So I started to move in that direction. Um, the, the other element um, which goes along with that was doing away with uh, stops, stop losses. Mm-hmm. Now, this, this is a very contentious issue. Um, I've had discussions with a few people and, and they don't agree with me on this. And I was like, no, it, it works for me. Yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. with stops, the thing with stops is that once again, it's as good as an expiry. So, so it's almost like you're taking that instrument with expiries and you're creating mini expiries within this instrument with expiries. Okay. That's that. So you're always taking these losses. So okay, fine. You've got a hundred thousand. You set a very tight stop, and I'll just speak in whole whole figures. So you take a very tight stop, and then you lose a hundred rand, and then you close out. But you're still not at a hundred thousand. You're a hundred thousand less. Sorry, you're a hundred rand less mm-hmm. than where you were before. You put in another tight stop. You are now two hundred less. Another stop. You're now three hundred less. So I started to understand, hold up. If in investing, we're just holding the asset and we can hold it for as long as we want. So when I'm buying shares according to the value investing type of principle and my customized um, type of value investing principles, if I'm just buying shares and I'm just holding them and not bothered about the share price, um, if it tanks, I hold it maybe for three months, it's tanking and then it recovers. Why can't I do the same thing here when I trade? Why can't I do that? Why do I have to absorb that floating loss or, or realize that floating loss, which then forces me to enter the market at a lower position? Why can't I just wait it out and allow it to, to turn into a profit position and then I can close it off? So, so this, this thinking, um, I must say, it worked out for me um, recently with a gold position that I had. So I had the gold position, funny enough, for two years um, because the, the instrument I, I was holding uh, or, or, or was trading doesn't have an expiry or near-dated expiry. So what happened there is that I bought it in 2018 um, and I just held this gold. And I said, okay, fine, look, I'm using now my, my value principles. I'm just going to hold this thing. Let's, let's see where gold is going to go. Mm-hmm. And I just held it. And at the time, gold seemed like it wasn't going anywhere. It did tank for a couple of months. Um, so from my position, I was realized or I was seeing a floating loss for a couple of months. And then all of a sudden it started to come back up again. And I closed that position in May this year. And we all know what gold did this year and, Mm -hmm. and how far high it went. So there was a very good profit that I'd made, um, off that gold position. And I had held it for two years. And I remember when I just started to calculate to say, okay, fine. What kind of figures am I looking at in terms of um, percentages? And uh, I started to realize that it's actually about 50% that I made um, off that goal position in two years. So if I just use simple arithmetic, you divide that by two and it's almost like 25% per annum. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, of that yeah. one goal position. And and I felt that was decent. Um, it was reasonable for me. Uh, I had also learned not to chase after this thing of trying to make maybe 12% per month, you know, where at the end of the year, you're making over 100, over 100%, 120%, you know, that sort of thing. So I was like, no, um, I don't have to chase that kind of speed. Something between... Um, uh, 10% and 20% per annum. And obviously anything above 20%, I'll take. So for example, that goal position made um, in simple arithmetic, it made 25% per annum. So I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very decent return over, you know, a relatively short period of time. Yeah. yeah. So, man, um, you know, uh, we, we, you know, I got, I got introduced to you uh, via Twitter, you know, via this discussion on 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 on, on trading, you, you you had mentioned that you trade without a stop loss, um, which which you know triggered a bunch of 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 um, uh, alerts, uh, if if you will. Yeah. So how how do you how do you think? And uh, first of all, uh, are you still trading geared or ungeared? And how do you think of risk? Uh, risk management in, in, in on, on a trade by trade basis, and um, also how do you then set your po- positioning sizes? Because you also mentioned that one of the problems that you were having in, in, in your earlier days was trading too big in, yeah. in on, on a on a trade by trade basis. Yeah. So so it's true. I don't I don't do stops. Um, and what happens there? My risk management is that I I go in with a position or a tick, a tick um, level of 0.01% of the actual balance. So, so either up or down, mm-hmm. I'm either making 0.01% or less um, of the actual total balance of the account. So, so that's, I've realized that that's where it actually starts to make sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm more comfortable So when there's a floating loss, I'm more comfortable with that type of floating loss at that level. But it's also inspired by what I call zeroing um, out on the position or zeroing down the position. So this is an example of zeroing in in my understanding. Um, Let's argue that uh, Brent is trading at $35 a barrel. Mm -hmm. Um, Or or maybe let's, let's work with 40 because I think it's closer to 40 just about 40 now, 42 or so. So let's say it's, uh, it's at $40 a barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, if, it, if it's at 40 and it's obviously um, calculated in cents, so it's actually 4,000, four, four, um, 4, right? Yeah. So, so what happens that is if that 4,000, 4,000, um, the 4,000 pips, if those 4,000 pips go down to zero, it's a floating loss of 4,000 of how much based on my, um, 0.01%. Oh, okay. And if I feel that that floating loss is good enough, that uh, it, it's accommodated by my total balance, mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll be happy to trade it um, at that level. I'll be happy to certify and I'm going to buy at 40. I'm not going to put in a stop because my stop loss is actually zero. So if this thing goes down to, four th- to zero, so from 4,000 4, or 40 and it goes down to zero, I'm only losing 4,000, but here's my account balance. And it's, it's much more, it's not, it's not a, a large percentage of my total balance. It's not even close uh. to 50% of my total balance, for example. So then I don't need a, a, a stop loss. So what then happens is if it tanks, let's say to 20, I just leave it. I don't have to worry about it. I could look mm-hmm. at another position um, or I could just go sleep or I could go do something else. So what happens there is that I leave it to come back up and then it will come back up at its own time. And when it rises, for me, it needs to rise to a particular um, resistance level. So, so I wait, for, I look at some of the resistance levels and I say, okay, fine. I notice a resistance level, let's say for argument's sake at, because um, I started at 40, I notice a resistance level at 50. Mm-hmm. So it needs to move up to 50 or close enough to 50. It doesn't have to hit 50 because I know the financial markets can be tricky that way. Okay. You know, so it gets to like 48, 
$48.99 and it turns back and you were looking for 50. Also, so when, when it, you know, when so it, it doesn't closer. have to hit 50. When it hits closer to my resistance levels that I've observed um, over the longer term, and that's mm -hmm. the other thing, I use monthly charts. So I look uh, over the longer term. So when I, when I see that it's, it's reached that level, I, I can close it. I feel comfortable to take the, to take the profit and mm -hmm. fine. Now I can close it, take the profit, and then I can re-enter. But the re-entry is also based on a, on, a, on a particular value element of mine where I say I prefer to trade within 60% of the production price. So, so my trading is not just linked to um, the, the charts that I see. It's linked to what's happening in the real world. So I check, I do my research and I say, what is the production price of Brent crude oil? So you'll find that, for example, this is just an example. The production price of Brent crude oil is, say, $42 a barrel. Mm -hmm. That's the general average. So I'll say, okay, fine. I only enter the market either below the production price because if it's trading below the production price, I, chances are it's going to rise up. Oh, um, and preferably within 60% of the production price. So I look at the production price and say, okay, fine, what is 60% above the production price? It's whatever figure it is. So as long as the price is within that 60%, I can enter the position. So let's say, for example, for argument's sake, it passes above, I enter, um, at the production price, it goes up to 60% of the production price. I take my profit and then it continues up further above the production price. Mm -hmm. What happens there is that I would probably enter at the, at the, at the, at the top of the 60%, mm -hmm. I'll probably enter and then leave it to go to whatever resistance level there is above that 60%. Um, and let's argue the resistance level is sitting at about, for argument's sake, it's sitting at about 100. So I'd leave it to go to 100 and then close it off. But then once it's at 100, I leave it. I don't go back in. That's, that's my principle. Oh, okay. So, so I'm not going to trade Brent crude oil, for example, trading at way more than 60% of its production price. Because chances there is it might hover there for some time, for some months or even years. But what will always happen, as far as I understand, is it will always come back closer to its production price at some point. Okay. So do you, do you look for shorting opportunities or you are a long-only trader? I'm a long-only trader. Um, I'm a bull. Um, I've learned um, uh, uh, from history, you know, choose one side, pick a side. <laughs> um, and, and, strengthen, and, and strengthen your skills in that side. Um, either you're a bull or you're a bear. Um, it, it, it does work, but for me, the whole bull thing is also inspired or motivated by um, the idea of inflation. Mm -hmm. So especially with commodities, um, inflation generally tends to affect commodities. If you look at the historic prices of almost all the commodities you can find, um, let's argue you even go back to 1980 or 1960. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously what, what I'm saying is not, it's not like a whole truth um, with all commodities, but in general, from my observation, what I've seen is that um, the prices historically are way less than what they are today um, or what they were much later in time. So if, if you look at the, if you look at silver and you go back 10, 20, 20 years, 30 years on silver. So oil has, has, has interesting fluctuations because it can still go back down to the levels it was in 1980 when it was trading at, let's say, $9 a barrel. Yeah. So, 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 but ultimately it still rises and it's, it's still affected by inflation as things start to work out in the economy. Um, so I always understand the idea of inflation um, sort of working its, itself on commodities. And that's why I said, okay, fine, preferably let me remain a bull. Because even if these prices go shoot up and stay high, chances are they will come back down. So for example, if I'm to, if I'm to speculate on gold and what's going to happen with gold, um, my understanding is that gold only went as far as, as far as it did this year because of the economic issues that we had um, in connection with uh, 
COVID-19 and so forth. So now when those economic issues start to settle out, you know, and, and sort of normalize, if I can use that word, um, what I do understand with gold is that people will start rushing back into other assets and then gold will come back down to some sort of level. Um, I don't expect it to remain as high as it is, even with some, some currencies um, that I've observed, for example, um, USD, ZAR, um, where it, at some point, I think it even reached 20. Um, I'm not so sure, but, but it went as far, as far as 19. I'm sure about that. So, so when that happens, um, you start to understand the reasons for it um, and the circumstances around it. And then when things normalize, what's going to happen to that currency? So it's, it's easy to say, oh, okay, fine, I'm getting excited. Now this, this thing is sitting at 19. It's going to shoot all the way up to 25. I don't think it works that way. Um, yeah, yeah. When, when gold was, was rushing towards its all-time high, yeah, I remember uh, I read somewhere and some people were saying it's going to go to 5,000 <laughs> uh, an ounce. And I read that and I was like, yeah, you know, but what's inspiring that, you know? Yeah. Um, and perhaps it will. I don't know. Uh, I can't predict these things. But, but still, um, I sort of connected to the real world. And I have an understanding to say, okay, fine. In the real world, this is happening. And that's why this is happening. Um, it doesn't just rush up to 5,000 for no good reason. You know? um, and are things normalizing in some countries? Maybe they are. So why would it rush to 5,000? You know, so that sort of thinking sort of helps me out to some degree. Okay. And you, you, you mentioned that your ultimate stop is zero. Um, and you, you made an example mm-hmm. with, with, with Brent saying that you, you would buy Brent uh, perhaps at, 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 at 4,000 at, at 4, uh, per barrel, 4,000 cents, as it were, per barrel. Yes. Uh, when the production price is around, uh, around that price and, you know, you take profit, say, at, um, uh, uh, you know, 5,000 because that's where... Uh, uh, um, that's there could where be a resistance. A resistance, for example. Um, if, if, if I make an example, say the, the resistance is now is, 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 is setting at, say, 6,000 instead of five, you, that would be yeah. your, your take profit, but your, your stop loss is ultimately zero, which yeah. in the sense that you are risking uh, um, 40, I mean, 4,000 to get two. Yes. How... Um, and, 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 and when I was listening to, 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 to another podcast, this guy was saying, if your hit rate is high enough, you can get away with a risk reward ratio of less than one. Um, how is your hit rate um, relative to, 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 to your risks? No, I don't, but I don't get too technical. So, so for example, when you speak of head rates and, and that sort of thing, and I, I look at myself um, um, more of as an investor using um, investment principles. Um, and yeah, so, and so I don't really get too technical with, with some of the, with some of the, the, the technicalities, especially regarding technical analysis. Mm-hmm. So, so, when you say head rate, I'm even thinking, okay, what, what, what am I thinking? What am I looking at? Because in, in value investing, I'm not, we don't, I don't speak of head rates. Oh. Um, so so yeah, you never I, take I, like a losing position. I know. Unless I never, I never, I, I, I never take, even if it goes to zero, it, it will, it will push itself back up. So what happened is um, at some point with uh, Brent, um, well, it didn't get to zero, but uh, I think some of the oil futures, uh, you know, earlier this year mm-hmm. were, were said to have reached zero and, negative, and maybe they yeah. were trading negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when those kinds of things happen, I don't bother with that. Um, fortunately, I'm not trading any of the futures, but uh, uh, um, what happens there is that um, even if it goes to zero, so let's, let's say it's 4,000, it drops down to zero. I just keep, I just hold. So I, I apply myself in, in, in the way I do for shares. So for example, if I buy a, a, a stock, um, 
uh, you can give me any name. So if I buy a stock, for example, mm-hmm. and I've analyzed it and I like it and I say, okay, fine, this is a good company. According to my value criteria, it passes all the tests. Um, so therefore I'm buying it. And then the share price tanks to zero and it was at a hundred and it falls to zero. I'm not going to sell that stock. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to keep holding it. It's, it's an asset I own. So, and fortunately with stocks, you get dividends. So I'll just keep getting dividends if that's the case. And obviously if, if they're not paying dividends, it's fine. It's tough, but then I just hold it. Uh, it will turn at some point. Um, ultimately turns. I remember in 2007, uh, the, the, the previous financial uh, hoo-ha. Yeah, was that the crisis. Yeah, yeah, it was 08, 09. Oh, eight or nine. Yeah, the, the housing um, bubble. Yes. Old Mutual. Old Mutual. I can't remember where it came from, but it fell all the way to about three rand something. And I remember this because I was watching Old Mutual at the time. Mm-hmm. It fell down to about three rand something. And if you had held it from wherever it was down to three rand and thought of selling then, I think you wouldn't have been uh, making doing yourself a favor because it, it picked itself up um, over the years and over time, it picked itself up. Um, I don't know where All Mutual is now, but I can tell yeah, you it's nowhere it picked, close to three. Yeah, I'm looking at the chart here right now. It picked at about 24 and um, now sitting at about nine. Nine rand. Yeah. Yes, but it came back from that three rand to about 29 rand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It went all the way up to... It, Perhaps let me drop down to a weekly chart. Yeah, that 2008, it, it, it dropped from the about 13 rands, 15 rands down to its lowest point at 250, 250. And yeah. since, since that yeah. point, it picked up to 24 and now back to nine. Yeah. You see, so so th- for me, there's no need to 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 get worried when the price drops. Um, a dropping price is not is not something to worry about. What 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 I always do or prefer is because I'm going in um, with, at such a low level in terms of my pip movements, mm-hmm. uh, that point zero one percent per pip. Because I'm going in at such a low amount, uh, it allows me to look at other instruments. So, for example. If my brand position is in a floating loss, which fortunately right now it's in a floating profit, um, if it's in a floating loss, uh, I don't have a problem. Then I just look at another instrument mm-hmm. um, to say, okay, fine, let's look at this other, let's look at gold, let's look at platinum. What's happening there? Are they meeting the 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 sixty percent or within sixty percent or below um, criteria? Are they you know, allowing me to get in so that if I zero it down, I can still absorb the, the sort of potential loss. But the whole idea is not to take the loss. So I don't take the loss. Mm-hmm. I leave it. Uh, it will come back up. And, and as mentioned, fortunately with commodities, commodities have an economic element because they, they work with supply and demand. So as long as there's demand, and I understand where the demand is coming from, chances are it's going to uh, rise again so it's not going to sit at zero um, in the real world for example especially with Brent remember that if if these guys are producing uh, Brent or, or any other oil at $42 a barrel and mm-hmm. the price is sitting at zero it means mm-hmm. they're making a loss yes in terms of their sales and negotiations and it means they're actually working at a loss so chances are they will either stop production and stopping production Wholesale, what happens there is that it allows uh, demand to rise above production and that allows things to move, the prices to come back up. But besides stopping production, um, they negotiate how to work how to work the pricing. So they will say, okay, fine, because this thing's not working out for us, instead of halting everything altogether, we'll just start reducing like this and like that and, and, and prices start to pick up again there no demand because of lockdowns okay fine now lockdowns are easing off where's the demand the demand is picking up again so you you there's always that economic um element with commodities which i love 
um, as opposed to as opposed to shares. I love shares, but shares don't always have that economic element. You know, a share a share price can just fall by itself. Uh, sometimes without really understanding why it's falling and things mm-hmm. are going so well and the company's making profits and, <laughs> you know, and this thing just, just keeps falling or it's just moving sideways. You know, it's, it's yeah. not really working out, but these guys have been paying dividends. They've been increasing their dividends for the past five years. They've been increasing their revenues and profits for the past five years, but this thing is still sideways. You know, mm-hmm. so so yeah, shares don't have that type of um, economic connection all the time. Oh, got you, got you. So I'm I'm, I'm assuming now you're no longer trading geared. No, I'm still geared. Oh, geared, okay. geared. Yeah, well, geared to me means that it's it's uh, um, there's more. It's it's margin. There's credit. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm still yeah, I'm still geared. Yeah. So what happens there is that my my initial margin. Um, because I'm going in at 0.01, my initial margins are t- tend to be very small. Or relative um, to, your, and to your overall portfolio. Exactly. They tend uh, to be very, very tiny relative to the portfolio. Um, and even if it zeroes down, that's the other element, by the way. Mm-hmm. Even if it zeroes down uh, um, from, let's say, 4,000, it goes down to zero. That floating loss... Um, when I look at it and I calculate it, it's not going to trigger a, a margin call. Uh, um, it would never trigger a margin call because the total balance would be accommodated within that, uh, would accommodate that 4,000 floating loss. Oh, okay. Okay. So, 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 yeah. so it, do, do you have like a cap to say, um, of my overall portfolio, I'm willing to lose say I, I use up to 3% of my overall portfolio on, on, on a given trade. Um, I'm using yes. stop loss. So my, stop, my stops are a bit tighter than yours. Do you, do you have yes. like a, a, a percentage that you say, when I'm entering into a trade, if yeah. I'm going to lose everything into, in this trade, um, it goes down to zero or negative or um, the, 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 the stock deal lists or whatever the case is, which, is, which wouldn't be the case in terms of like commodities. Um, yeah. Do you have like a, a, a set amount to say, okay, the, my, my theoretical margin call is X percent of my portfolio, whether it's five, 10, two, yeah. one, whatever the case is. Do you have um, such, yeah. such, such rules in place? Yeah, I do, but it's not based on percentage. So, so it's a little bit arbitrary to to some degree. Um, it's based on it's based on actual figures. So let's let, let me use a hundred thousand account for example, and I look at it and I say, okay, fine, I'm moving at point zero one, and moving at point zero one means that I lose. Um, let's say uh, I don't know what it would be, but let's say it's four thousand. Mm-hmm. Right. That's about 4%. so. Yes, but I'm not looking at the percentage. Uh, I'm just saying it's four thousand. So four thousand of that hundred thousand, if it if it zeroes down to zero, if it goes down to zero, and it zeroes four thousand, is fine. I, I'm I'm able. I'll take that. I'll take that because normally we, we're using whole figures now, but but normally it would be random figures. It would be like uh, six thousand seven hundred and twenty-eight. You know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So, so I, I wouldn't bother with the actual percentage for 6,728 of an account that is um, 85,645, you know, balanced. So, so I'll just say, okay, fine, 6,728 of that 85,000, whatever, um, when it goes down to zero, is still well accommodated in that 85,000. I'm not bothered. Um, it's fine. It, the price can fall all the way down to zero. It will pick itself back up again and it will get into a profit position and I'll close it when I get to my resistance. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and then, yeah. And so, so since you are more of, of a, a, a fundamental uh, um, um, trader, as opposed to, you know, someone like myself who is a more technical trader, how do you know when you're wrong on a position? You don't. It's a it's a very good question. Uh, you don't. <laughs> you, <laughs> well, don't so you, you 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 don't know. 
Um, um, so, so if I'm if I'm to take a lesson from the intelligent investor, um, there's a part uh, where, uh, and I'm not I'm not quoting him, but I'm just working from memory, um, where I think he says something along the lines of, um, sometimes you you enter uh, or buy a particular share and um, the price sits. At a, the price just doesn't go up as you anticipated. So mm-hmm. you expect it to go up to its its uh, actual value, its intrinsic value, because perhaps you bought it at below value. Mm-hmm. And the price just doesn't go up to its intrinsic value. Um, and it takes years and time. And then perhaps ultimately it goes up, but then it would have taken years and time. Um, so you know if i if i just take that lesson out of that book it's it's that's how i'd answer this question you don't so um i was fortunate for example i i entered my my current position i entered brent crude at 36 mm-hmm. um i think brent crude is currently sitting at about 42 now 42 something i'm not talking about the cents so 36 and 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 42 without the cents um i mean i'm saying that there were cents but i i don't know what they were yeah. so what happened is um, what happened there is if that position, um, had gone down, let's say to 26 mm-hmm. and, and the demand is just not working out. And my, 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 my value theory is just not proving correct. Mm-hmm. Then I would, I would say I am wrong, but then being wrong now doesn't mean I will be I won't be right in four months time uh, when, okay. you know, so, so you, you, with, with my fundamental type of approach, you can be wrong at any time and you can be right at any time. Fortunately for now, right now, as I speak, I'm right. But then, and if I, if I close that floating tomorrow. profit, <laughs> I could wake up tomorrow and that thing's gone down below 36 yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's decides to stay below 36. The other thing, for example, if if I'm to use a real life example, so this thing with 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 my with my with my brand position, it was 36. It went up to about 45, and I wanted to close it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I sort of forgot to close it. If I can put the, if I can use those words, I I procrastinated, and it went down to about 42. At some point, it even went down to about 39. Um, and I just left it. I said, okay, fine. Look, my resistance. I, I'm observing this resistance at about 45. So I'll, I'll just leave it to go back to about 45. But then what happens now is that since it's sitting at about 42 and it could go down below 36 because my suspicion is in Europe, they're going into the winter now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may have learned from the last winter, which was probably horrific for them. Um, and and that means that the the whole driving season sort of softs softens up, you know, yeah. um, and and people are staying at home, you know, it's cold and flus are picking up again, and some people are confusing flus for corona, so maybe there's anxiety, you understand? Yeah. So then the demand drops again, you know. Yeah. So now in 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 this festive season, this year's festive season, you might find that uh, Brent crude. Uh, prices are uh, perhaps still subdued to some level, and then they'll pick they'll pick themselves up maybe next year, in, in the in in their autumn, for example. Uh, sorry, uh, in their spring, um, for example, um, and, and it could work out that way. So let's argue that thing falls um, thirty six mm-hmm. below thirty six, and because below 36 i'll just i'll just wait a spring for example and then i'll be right and then i'll say that when i spoke to when i spoke to njabulo for example right now i'm right but when i spoke to njabulo i was wrong then but then now a few months later i'm right yeah oh gotcha man. so that's that's, uh, that's quite interesting that's the, i've never um you know interacted with someone that has that kind of approach you know trading both uh, um, geared and trading fundamentals. Because, you know, with, yeah. with gearing, your, your both profits and, and losses gets um, 
uh, exaggerated. Yes. And then yes. The, but but to your point, you manage that in your own way, um, and 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 deal with that. Yeah, I, I I definitely minimize it in 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 the sense that I just look at the floating loss that I can that that is there when it's at zero, mm-hmm. and if the, if if my account balance can absorb it, then I just absorb it. Oh. Um, I'm not bothered. The other the other interesting thing is that as the portfolio starts to grow, that point zero one remains fixed, but in actual numbers, the point zero one grows. So, so for example, right now, my point zero one is like one rand a pip because, mm-hmm. um, I'm using this, I'm using this, um, this, uh, sort of experiment where I want to trade a five figure account into nine, into nine figures. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it's, a, it's still a five figure account. So because it's still a five figure account and a low five figure account for that matter, it's, it's moving at like one rand a pip, mm-hmm. but then when it hits, it becomes a six-figure account. That point zero one remains, but that point zero one now makes it maybe, for example, ten rand instead of one rand. Ah. And and when it goes to seven figures, a hundred rand. And what that does is it goes back to what we're saying about allowing the floating loss to be absorbed. By the, the by the total balance of the account. Okay. Yeah, I got you, man. Got you. Now, man, now we're gonna park it here. Thank you very much for your time, man. But before I let you go, um, I just wanna run through a, a quick, um, short, random questions. Uh, yeah. First, what is it that you know now that you wish you knew then when you started out? Um, to be a whole lot more patient. Gotcha. I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's the underlying, um, that's the underlying element to be a whole lot more patient. And what's, what's one tool that um, you cannot live without for your trading? Oh, that's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite interesting. Oh yeah. That's quite interesting. I think, um tools um because i'm not much of a technical or a technician a technical um analyst i think um my resistance levels support and resistance levels and and these are not trend lines mm-hmm. um not not support and resistance levels on the on the trend or, or on a trend line i'm talking about the straight lines the straight support the horizontal and resistance lines, levels. yeah the horizontal, the horizontal lines, um, those ones, I think, yeah, if, 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 if I can't identify or I can't, uh, place them, I think I'd have a problem. Okay. Got you. Got you, man. Uh, and lastly, your, your favorite book recommendations. I've got two, I've got two favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the intelligent investor. Um, I know, that in the intelligent investor person might read it and then they might say, hold up, but this guy says people shouldn't speculate. But I think um, there's something special there that, that can be used or sort of adopted for speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely the intelligent investor, it's, it's, I think it works for me as an investor and it also works for me as a, as a speculator. Um, and this is also another, this is an investment book, um, more than, more than, um, speculating or trading, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 uh, it's called, uh, the lazy person's guide to investing. Is that the title? Yes. The lazy person's guide to investing. Okay. Um, Who's it by? I forget the author. So the first one, the intelligent investor is, is, is by the well-known Benjamin Graham. Um, and the second book, I forget the author. Um, but I've, but I've, but I've read it. It's uh, the lazy guide to, to investing. Yes. The lazy person's guide to oh, investing. Lazy pace. Person's ah, guide. It is yeah. by lazy... Paul Farrell. Yes. I just Googled it. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. The name rings the bell. 
Um, so the lazy person's guide to investing, I, I definitely, I definitely think it's a, it's a, it's to be recommended. And if, if I'm to speak of um, speculating specifically and trading, uh, short-term trading specifically, I would recommend uh, the reminiscences of a stock operator. There've been many other books. Um, Market Wizards is a good book, but my first recommendation is the reminiscences of a stock operator. One of my favorite books uh, of all time. Yeah. I think every I think every single trader and speculator should definitely read that book. Yeah, it's 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 along with, with trading in the zone, reminiscence of a stock operator is one of the must read books for anyone interested into 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 trading because there's a lot of um lessons to be picked up from from yeah. uh, Mr. Livingston. Yes. Yes, it is. It is. Uh, what's his? Um, what's the author? I, I forget the author there. Um, I think it's like a French name. Lefebvre. Yes. It's uh, Edwin Lefebvre. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I'll stick. I'll stick the link to 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 um, Amazon and exclusive books to to get those books in the show notes below. Um, again, man, Vongani, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope to get you again on the show uh, uh, sometime in the future. Thank you very much. Um, I'm glad and I'm happy to be on your show. And thank you for having me. Cool, cool, man. Thank you very much. That's Thanks. it for the show this week. Uh, be sure not to miss another episode of The Village Trader by subscribing on your favorite podcast channel. We are on Spotify, iTunes, basically every um, decent podcast channel you can find today. We'll soon be on YouTube very, very soon. Um, Join us every Wednesday. Wednesday is the Subscribe on our website as well. Thank you for chilling with us. Thank you for chilling with us. Cheers.